0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fun Story Sessions. And as uh, we were reading uh, The Hardy Boys Undercover Brothers Hurricane Joe, now I will read to you chapter 2, which is Wipe Out. And it is from Frank's perspective. So here we go. Vroom! The wave hit us full force, plunging us deeper and deeper into the churning water. I tightened my grip around my brother's waist, but the ocean was a lot stronger than I was. The current tore us apart with a sharp jolt, tossing us in opposite directions. Tumbling and spinning, I couldn't even tell which way was up. Now I know what it feels like to be a gym sock in a washing machine. When the spin cycle was finally over, I tried to swim for the surface. My lungs Screamed for air and I didn't know how much longer I could stay under. You can do it, Frank, I told myself. Finally, I reached the surface, gasping for air. Joe, I shouted, no response. Joe, nothing except the sounds of wind and the waves. I shouted again, then waited and waited. Finally, a voice answered me. Frank, over here. I spun around in water. My brother was about 40 feet away, bobbing up and down in the waves. Hey, what's up, bro? I yelled. Nothing much, he shouted back. What's up with you? Nothing, just hanging. We started swimming toward each other when bang, something hit me in the head. It was a jet ski floating upside down in the water. I rubbed my head, then grabbed onto one of the skis and held on tight. Joe swam up next to me and reached for the other ski. We are alive, he said panting. Yeah, I replied. Let's try to keep it that way. Do you think this still works? He said, nodding at the jet ski. I shrugged. The engine's probably flooded, but it's worth a try. Okay, let's flip it over, Joe said, bracing his hands on the edge of the jet ski. On the count of three. One, two, three. We pushed up as hard as we could, kicking our feet and lunging forward until the jet ski rolled right side up. I helped Joe climb onto the seat. Then he leaned over and pulled me up, straddling the seat behind him. I wrapped my arms around his chest. Okay, I'm ready. I said, start her up. Keep your fingers crossed. Joe reached for the ignition and turned the key. The engine coughed a few times and died. Try it again, I said. He tried it again. Same thing, just a few coughs and then nothing. Now what, said Joe. I guess we just sit here and hope the waves will carry us back to shore. But what if... They carry us out to sea, said Joe. Maybe a ship will spot us and save us, I told. But what if a ship doesn't spot us? What if we run into a bunch of hungry sharks instead? They'd probably take one bite and spit you out, Joe. All that hair product you use? Yuck! I'm serious, Frank, I sighed. Don't worry, we are going to get out of this. We always do, don't we? You and I have been on dozens of missions, and we haven't been killed yet. There's a first time for everything, Frank. I gave up. Okay, have it your way. We are going to die out here. We are going to drift out to the sea and get eaten by sharks. Are you happy now? Very. Really? Yeah. Mr. Plotnik must have done some serious damage when he hit my brother with the life preserver. Why are you happy, Joe? I asked. Because I can see Bayport, he said, pointing. Look, over there. I squinted my eyes. The rain was easing up, and I could just make out the rooftops of our hometown. I instantly recognized the city hall and church steeple rising above the town square. That's Bayport, all right, I said, and we seemed to be drifting right toward it. Joe tilted his head. There's just one problem. What? I can't see the docks. I looked again. Joe was right. The Bayport dogs were nowhere in sight. They just have been flooded by the hurricane, I said. Joe sighed. Go on and say it, Frank. Say what? I told you so. For the next hour or two, the waves carried us closer and closer to Bayport. Along the way, I told my brother that I didn't blame him for what happened. It was me, after all, who set off the camera flash and got us caught. So, it's really all your fault, huh? Said Joe with a smoke. No, it's not all my fault, I said. I, I warned you about Hurricane Herman. I said we should wait until the storm passed. In other words, in other words, I told you so. I knew you'd say that, Frank. I smacked him lightly on the back of his head. Hey, don't mess with my hair. <laughs> I think the hurricane took care of that already. I glanced at the wild tangle of blonde spikes sticking up from his scalp and started to laugh. Does it look that bad, bad? He asked. No, it looks great, Joe. It must have been the new hair gel I'm using. Yeah, that must be it, I said, rolling my eyes. But maybe you should stop worrying about your hair and start thinking about how we are going to get back to dry land. We turned our attention to the shoreline, or what used to be the shoreline. The wooden docks were completely submerged in water. Some of the warehouses were flooded too. There arched roofs rising above the waves. Do you think the whole town is flooded? Joe asked. No, I said. Uh, Look at the storm wall over there. It's holding back the water. I pointed toward the tall concrete wall that separated the docks from the main broad walk. Hopefully, the waves will carry us to the storm wall, I said as he floated into the bay. The rain had completely stopped by now, but the waves were still pretty strong. Joe and I held on tightly to the jet ski as we swooshed past the flooded warehouses heading straight for the storm wall. Unfortunately, every time we approached it, the waves pulled us right back into the bay. I'm starting to feel like a yo-yo, Joe grumbled. Maybe we should try jumping onto the roof of one of those warehouses, I suggested. Okay, Joe agreed. Get ready. We're about to pass one now. My brother and I hunched down. A big wave pushed us toward a flooded warehouse. Come on, let's do it, Joe shouted. We are not close enough, I shouted back. We can do it. No, we can't, I said. Too late. We missed our chance. The wave carried us along, faster and faster, hurling us straight toward a huge 18-wheel truck that was parked in the flooded lot. Look out! We are going to crash, I yelled. Crunch! The wave slammed our jet ski into the side of the truck and tossed us like a pair of rag dolls onto the roof of the trailer. Then the wave retracted with a sudden whoosh, leaving us stranded on top of the 18-wheeler. Wow, that was kind of fun, said Joe, climbing to his feet. Can we do it again? I sighed. You might get your chance, Joe, if another wave comes along and slams us into the storm wall over there. That would be tons of fun. There you go again, Frank, always looking on the bright side. Hey! You were the one who thought we'd, eaten, we'd be eaten up by sharks. It could still happen. We are not out of the water yet. I stood up and surveyed the area. The truck was completely surrounded by water. In fact, the whole parking lot was flooded. The water level must have been about seven or eight feet. We could try to swim to the wall, Joe suggested. I shook my head. I don't like the looks of that current. It will sweep us back into the bay. Well, I have another idea. What? We could flag down the rescue boat over there. I turned toward the docks and saw a small emergency rescue boat speeding between the warehouse ropes. Joe and I jumped up and down and started waving. Hey, over here, help! At first, I thought they didn't see us. But then the boat turned and headed straight toward us. I could see two men on board one of them holding a megaphone. We are coming to help! A deep voice boomed across the bay. Do not panic! Stay right where you are! Where does he think we are going? Joe mumbled. Candyland? I smacked my brother's arm. Don't bite the hand that rescues you. Yeah, but give me a break. They must think we are stupid or something. Well, if the life preserver fits, Joe was about to protest when the rescue boat pulled up next to the 18-wheeler. Don't make any sudden moves. We are going to help you climb aboard. The shorter guy bellowed into the megaphone. The taller guy glared at his partner. Put down the megaphone, Wilson. They can hear you. Oh, oh, sorry. I glanced at Joe and stifled a laugh. Our rescuers were incredibly young and obviously inexperienced. Man. Are we glad to see you? I told them. The taller guy reached over and grabbed the edge of the truck while the smaller guy held out a brawny hand to help us aboard. Didn't you guys play football at Bayport High? I asked, climbing into the boat. Yeah, said the smaller one. Grady and I were most valuable players two years in a row. Joe's eyes lit up. Of course, you are Billy Wilson and you are Greg Grady. You guys are awesome. Wilson's round face turned red. Do you still play ball? I asked. Grady turned away, grabbing the wheel. No, we couldn't get golf scholarships to college, so we decided to join the emergency rescue team. At least, it's physical. That's cool, said Joe. Wilson sat back and smiled. You guys should join up. You could be volunteers. That's how we got started. Grady looked over his shoulder at us. You are not afraid of a little danger, are you? I shot a quick look at Joe, who smiled back at me. No, we are not afraid of danger, I said. Heck, said Joe, we eat danger for breakfast. Wilson and Grady laughed, then told us more about the emergency rescue team. They said that the training was really tough and the pay was terrible. but. There was nothing like saving lives to make you feel like a hero. By the time we reached the main broad walk, Joe and I were all ready to sign up. Give us a call at the station sometime, said Wilson, shaking her hands. My brother and I hopped off the boat, happy to be back on dry land. Then Wilson and Grady said goodbye and sped away across the bay. I looked at Joe. So, are you ready to see if the town is damaged as your hair? I thought you said my hair looked great. I lied. Joe shot me a dirty look and fussed with his spiky hair all the way back to town. The town square was a total wreck. I couldn't believe all the tree branches and debris littering the streets. Trash cans were overturned, road signs knocked askew. The gutters were completely overflowing with rainwater. Joe and I had to take running leaps to reach the parking lot by the bank. Good thing we parked the motorcycles on higher ground, said Joe, hopping on and revving his engine. I put on my helmet. Then the two of us carefully made our way across the slippery streets of Bayport, swerving left and right to avoid some major puddles. A few minutes later, we reached the outskirts of our neighborhood and were surprised to see some of our neighbors walking down the street. Frank! Joe! The high-pitched voice made us stop in our tracks. Pulling off my helmet, I turned to see Belinda Conrad waving and strolling toward us. Her brother Brian was right behind her, sneering as usual. Hi losers, said Brian, as charming as ever. Ignore him, Belinda told us. He's just grouchy because we have spent the last few hours in the high school gym. It was set up as an emergency evacuation center. Yeah, and it was crowded and smelly too, Brian added. I can't wait to take a shower. He turned and headed toward his house across the street. Belinda shrugged and smiled, then glanced down at her clothes. You guys are totally soaked. You weren't riding your motorcycles in the storm, were you? That's so dangerous. I glanced at Joe. No, we weren't riding motorcycles, I said. Of course, I didn't tell her. We were riding jet skis. Belinda was starting to ask another question when her brother came running out of the house, shaking his fists. Everything's gone, he shouted. Belinda looked at him and sighed. What's gone, Brian? The stereo, the TV, the computer, he yelled. Belinda looked confused. What are you talking about? Someone must have broken in after we evacuated, said Brian. You mean, yes, we have been robbed. So guys, this is the end of chapter 2. Hope you enjoyed the read. And let's meet again in the next fun story sessions. Till then, bye-bye. Take care.